Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong. Radiant. Timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's give a very special holiday shout-out to our super producer, Max Extra Credit Williams. What, what, what? Hey, I want to jump in here real quick. I got some beef I got to get on the air, and uh, Noel, Noel, as my witness, you're going to help me. Okay. Noel, what did you think of that hardcore bowling Ben was giving me yesterday? What? Making fun, making fun of my phone? <laughs> oh, now listen. Now listen. Okay. First of all, I took it that way initially because we were on a group chat and it's always, there's always the odd man, odd human out when everyone has a, as a, you know, iPhone with the blue text and all of that, except for one, it sort of borks the whole chat, you know? I mean, so I definitely <laughs> took Ben's subtle suggestion of, hey, how'd you like a free iPhone as a bit of a boy? shots fired. But I think Ben really was just kind of trying to be nice. I don't think he was uh, using it in that way. But it was uh, it was read that way, I think, by both of us. But then Ben said, well, no, it was just a, a, a open-palmed uh, offer for a, a nice gift. All right, so and, guys, um, this is it verbatim. Also, Max, can I interest you in an iPhone? Noel, LOL, shots <laughs> fired. So Noel was hyping it up. So maybe Noel deserves the blame for this. I don't know. Yeah, but I digress. I, I was I was the beef stirrer. Hey. Is that a thing? Can you stir beef? Hey. I guess you can yeah. if it's in a stew. You know? yeah, yeah, we were we were talking um just uh, you know, we're returning to you, Max, uh, from our travels abroad. To the to the far off land of New York City, uh, where Noel and I uh, popped over on the Elvis Duran show, and then we had a um, you know Noel, I I thanked you for it, but I want to thank you on air. Noel surprised me. Uh, he said, "Hey, hey, I, I've got a, a surprise. We got to meet up at the hotel. Uh, I've got I've got a gift for you. You're gonna love it." And I was like, "Okay, what is this? What's what's going on?" And then I asked you, Noel. I said. Is it a person? Because we know a lot of people in New York. <laughs> What'd you say? You thought I'd gotten you like a mail order bride or something? Is that what you were? 
<laughs> is it a per? Is my gift a person? It's, <laughs> I, it's, <laughs> I thought you were bringing like uh, I thought you were bringing like our pals. You know, Max um, Max's uh, extra credit today because he's technically off work and came through because we wanted to uh, one do some special stuff before we take time off for the holidays. So, uh, no, I thought you might be bringing Max over. I thought you might be bringing our pal Mangesh over. Uh, right, right. <laughs> yeah. You, you asked if it was a person to which I re- replied, sort of. <laughs> it's a group of people. And that group of people was the seminal 2000s uh, dance rock uh, band LCD Sound System who were doing a run of shows at the fabulous venue Brooklyn Steel. It was very, very much sold out and I happened upon a couple of tickets on Instagram. Uh, It just happened to be, we were there for literally two nights and it just happened to be the the second night we were there. We had no plans. So yeah, we got to go see uh, James Murphy and company um, and Ben and I uh, got there. You know what I hate, you guys? I just want to put this out there. Speaking of stirring beef, I hate it when venues lie about showtimes oh come on, on. we website. live in atlanta <laughs> yeah but this was this was an egregious lie because it said doors at seven <laughs> right show at eight yeah. there was no opener listed so i'm like yes we'll be out of there by 10 p.m <laughs> like a couple of old old fellas mm-hmm. and then we talked to the bartender we got in there at you know 7 45 and there was like nobody there we're like but this is a sold out show this makes no sense and she goes actually it starts at nine i'm like lie Mm-hmm. But it did give us the opportunity to post up uh, in the balcony because the place really is just like one mezzanine balcony situation and a giant uh, general admission floor. Um, so we kind of stu- stuck our claim, staked our claim. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we had to, to, to defend ourselves at, at times from people <laughs> trying to like, you know, uh, get in there. Um, at times I was the defender. At times you were the defender. But we did uh, stand firm uh, and did afford us the opportunity to be right next to the VIP section, which remained Empty, mysteriously empty. I forgot about this. Right up until the start of the show. And right when the show was about to start, this very good-looking crew of, of folks kind of just moseyed in. And and who would it be but uh, the, the the fabulous director, Noah Baumbach, his wife, the fabulous director and actor, Greta Gerwig, um, and uh, the incredible actor, Peter Sarsgaard, and his wife, the incredible actor, director, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. And we just bopped next to them with the same view for the whole show. It was kind of neat. And, Felt like we were, yeah. we were kicking it with the swells. Yeah, hanging with royalty. As a matter of fact, the only um, the only downer of that night, which was an amazing night, the only downer was uh, this guy, the front man, James. He almost called off the whole show because he said, "Where's Where's Max Williams?" And <laughs> and we didn't know how to cheer uh, for that, like because you weren't there. And then uh, because they were uh, contractually obligated, they continued the show. But most of it. It was about 50-50 LCD sound system songs and about 50%, uh, you know, that guy just lamenting that that Max wasn't there. So I'll have to go back. But you're right, Noel, I totally forgot. And thank you also for explaining to me who these people were. (laughs) Because the whole time I was, the whole time I was like, oh, what is it? I think I asked, I asked Noel at one point, I was like, um, 
uh, I was I was too I was too eye rolly about it. I said, "What do, do we have to talk to them?" <laughs> and he said, "No, man, we I, don't." I think at some point you said, "Why should I care about these individuals?" <laughs> yeah, because it turns out Ben really only cares about historical figures who've long since left this mortal coil. Um, and uh, we're talking about that flavor of royalty, but these were genuinely like Brooklyn mm. royalty. Like I, I described them to my friends in text as a a real genius cluster. Yeah, um, because you know. I'm, I we we would deal with a lot of you know uh, well known luminary types in our line of work, and I don't usually get fanboyed out. But this was like all of these people are people whose work I have admired mm-hmm. for a very long time. The the Baumbach movie, The Squid and the Whale, is one of my favorite movies, and you know uh, it's cool to have seen Greta Gerwig and and Maggie Gyllenhaal also become incredible directors in their own right. So it really oh, yeah. was kind of neat to see this like mega uh, power couple duo just kind of you know living in the real world like people do. Mm-hmm. I'm not like surprised. It mm-hmm. was just kind of. It was fun. It was awesome. And, you know, they um, they were having a great time. And we are we are talking about royalty today. And in in many ways, uh, these folks who were all I I agree, Noel, they are a genius cluster and I am a big fan of their work. Uh, They are kind of modern day royalty. That's what a lot of celebrities are in the United States. Today, we're talking about historical royalty. And here at the end of the year, we're finally doing an episode that you and Max and I had kicked around for a while until Max pulled the trigger and said, let's let's put some, uh, you know, let's put some gas in the tank on this. This is part one of what will be a continuing series on royalty. But wait, we've got to give our little spin to it. This is royals who died in ridiculous ways. And and we had a little talk about, you know, the statute of limitations. Every human loss of life is a tragedy. But um, but come on, man. Some of these, well, are, you know, yeah. Look, look, look at this as kind of like the Royal Darwin Awards. You know, there we go. Um, if you guys yeah. are familiar with that, I yeah. think it's literally an award that's given out uh, for folks who died in absurd ways. The Darwin mm-hmm. Awards described as evolution in action. So you know, we know uh, evolution is described often as survival of the fittest. Usually, people that die uh, absurdly aren't the fittest. And they, you know, evolutionarily speaking, had it coming mm-hmm. <laughs> in a weird way. Um, so that's kind of what we're going for today is a bit of a royalty-based uh, Darwin Awards. Yeah, I agree. And shout out to our pals over at Stuff to Blow Your Mind. They do an annual recap of the Darwin Awards every year. Check it out if you'd like a little bit of schadenfreude with your coffee. Uh You know, Max, I like something you pointed out without being too fatalistic. Our buddy Max said, whether we like it or not, we are all going to die. You can accept it or not, but that's on you. Kind of kind of some tough love there to to open our show today. So uh, this is this is the thing we're going to go through in this episode, which might even end up being a two parter. We're going to look at at least six very strange deaths. First, you know, you you were speaking of our uh, Scandinavian or our Nordic friend who was with us at the LCD Sound System show. You like how I'm already changing the narrative a little? Like now he Peter, was, Peter Sarsgaard? Yeah, now, yeah. <laughs> Pete was yeah. hanging with us and yeah. Pete was like, where the heck is Max? And we're like, come on, man, just be cool. And uh, he might enjoy this story. He might actually already know this story. It's, Hell, he might be related to the film. He might be related to the guy, yeah. We're talking about Sigurd Einstein's son. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Eisteinson. Eisteinson. Yes, it's a tough one. Because you want to say Eisenstein, because that's somebody who, uh, of historical note, I believe, Eisenstein. But yeah, it's E-Y-S-T-E-I-N-S-S-O-N. And the uh, the subtitle of this one is Versus the Decapitated Head. Yeah. Um, he went PVP with, mm-hmm. uh, with a head and lost. Yeah. I'll bite your ass, you know, um, <laughs> if, if any Monty Python fans out there in the audience. So this is this is a story of, uh, well, this is one of a saga, I guess, of stories of kings of Norway and their conquests. And there are two all-encompassing kind of, you know, sagas, like epic tales that really paint the picture of this period in history. We've got Heimskringla and Orkinainga. Or- 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 and according to the chronicles um, of these of these two stories, uh, the tale of Sigurd starts after the battle of Harfsfjord. And again, we are not made again not for yeah. the first time. We've said it in the past, is what right. I say again, vis a vis any weird pronunciations. We are not native speakers of this language, and there are some real doozy pronunciations here. So we're going to do our best Mm -hmm. to do our duty to God and our country to help other people and to obey the law of pronunciation. (laughs) There we go. Now, it was this amazing um, spectacle, a maritime spectacle, an epic naval battle. And this went across decades from 872 CE or AD, whichever you prefer, to 900 CE or AD. This was the for this led to the formation of the Kingdom of Norway, finally unified Norway. And there's this Viking chief. His name is Harold Fairhair, as in like light colored hair. And right. he um he's the guy who brings everybody together, all these small kingdoms. He brings them under the banner of a single ruler. and He's a unifier. Yeah, and he says, uh, a conqueror, a unifier, yes. He says, hey, everybody, I'm I'm the first king of the Norwegians, and, uh, and I need help to, uh, I need help to quiet down the dissidents, especially these rogue pirate Vikings during this, uh, this epic battle. And he gets the help of someone named Rognvold, Rognvold, uh, Einsteinson. Hey, all right, there we I go. I think he did well. Thanks. What do you what, what what do you do when you've got a, a O with the little slash through it that kind of looks like a no <laughs> sign? Is that what, what, how, how does that affect pronunciation? Because we've got this fellow, uh, Rognvold, was of a land called Moor, but with the with the slash through the O. We we are hopefully we are hopefully uh, being charming in our inability to pronounce this stuff uh, correctly, and we apologize to the good people of Norway. It's it's a great question. Help us out. Let us know. Anyway, here's what you need to know: Harold and Rognvald, Rognvald, uh, they are cooperating to get rid of these rogue elements, these pirates, and. As they're annexing these kingdoms, as they're fighting off these folks who are saying, I don't want to be in your Norway thing, Ivar, the son of Rognwald, is killed. And so the king says, I feel bad. So you know what? I am going to cede some land to you. I'm going to give you these islands, Shetland and Orkney. I'm also going to promote you to nobility. This is a word, by the way, that a lot of folks in a, in the United States 
only learn through the amazing game Skyrim. We're also going to give you these uh, tiny ponies <laughs> yes, these. to breed on your island uh, and uh, and make a name for yourself. And and these tiny ponies mm -hmm. on, on Shetland. Mm -hmm. And right, yeah, don't fact check that for sure. No one fact check that. But uh, but so he becomes a Jarl. Think of it like an Earl, right? I think Jarl is way more impressive sounding than Earl. You know, it just it's got a yar to it. You know, mm -hmm. it's got a real it's got some real zip. Ben, who is your favorite Jarl in Skyrim? Ooh, uh, I don't like a lot of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. keep it 100 with you. Uh huh. I think they are meant to be uh, uh, cautionary tales about the danger of power. I don't know. Guy in White Run's okay. White sure. Run guy's fine, but I mean, if you side with what is the Imperial, well, you side with the uh, with the uh, Stormcloaks, Stormcloaks, Ulfric, yes, Ulfric, Ulfric. I had to look it up. I, it's been a long time since I played <laughs> that. And I think I've mentioned that I got to a place where I I, I transported myself to the land of the dragons and uh -huh. I, well, before I had any business doing so. <laughs> oh, and no, then no. My, my previous save was hours and hours in the past. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Gonna put a pen in this one. So yeah. I never actually finished the game. Alduin is not fun if you're not ready to fight Alduin. Well, that's all true. And I want to go back to an earlier point. I think maybe we're less impressed with Earl because I don't know about you. I I know like three guys named Earl, and they're just regular dudes. They're awesome. Yeah, there's if you're listening to the show, all the best. Yeah, my name my is name Earl. My name is Earl. Yeah, which is just like kind of an everyman dimwit. <laughs> you know, uh, sort of hapless fellow. So, yeah, Earl. We also have our local venue, The Earl. Which oh, that's right. East Atlanta Restaurant and Lounge. Mm -hmm. So I think our our uh, our understanding of Earl is has been a little bit more modernized, whereas Jarl just kind of has some gravitas mm -hmm. attached to it, you know? Yeah. And this gravitas is even more magnified back here in, in, in you know, these first few centuries A.D. This is why, okay, so the guy who owns the islands, Rognwald, and he's got the fair hair's permission to transfer his power. So he says, thank you very much for, um, you know, thank you very much for recognizing my grief and the death of, of my child. I would like to give this power and this Jarl ship to my brother, Sigurd. Uh, and Sigurd is what's called a forecastle man. Uh, are you are you guys familiar with forecastle? I'm guessing it's a nautical term because usually if there's a esoteric word that I don't know uh, that comes from these kinds of historical tales, it has to do with ships. <laughs> the forecastle is the upper deck of a sailing ship. Aha. So yeah, so this is it's the forward or. I guess back then would be the um, part of a ship where the sailors would have living quarters. Anyway, he's a big deal, right? And so Sigurd says, all right, thank you, bro, literally, my brother. And I'm going to hang out with my buddy Thorstein the Red, and we're going to start amassing more land, right? Let's expand the brand, they say, just like Mac and Always Sunny. Uh, and they start <laughs> start conquering pieces of modern-day northern Scotland. Uh, and this guy, Sigurd, he starts getting some street names like The Mighty. 
the mighty. You know, it's funny. I mentioned earlier, like, you know, I think I said unifier and you said conqueror. Sort of like, it depends on who's telling the story, mm-hmm. right? One person's unifier is another person's brutal conqueror. So the idea of a lot of these historical tales of um, founding new lands involve raping and pillaging existing ones. Uh, but then in the telling, you kind of, it, it favors the, the winners, obviously, the victors. So uh, you end up hearing about people with names like the mighty as opposed to the bloodthirsty or the rapacious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in the process of this conquering, this expansion, Sigurd challenges a native king, a native ruler. Uh, his name is King Mael Brigt, uh, B-R-I-G-T-E, and they are going to have a battle for the ownership or dominion over the kingdom of Mori. Not to be confused with Mori Povich. Uh, this this guy, <laughs> this guy has that's his one name. where they hit each other with chairs. That's what that's one of that type of show, right? Right. Well, the, the picture forty men doing that, but without mm-hmm. without chairs. You know, they're they're using spears mm-hmm. and they're uh, they're killing each other, right, with no ad breaks. And so, uh, we mentioned earlier how Sigurd has his his nickname, which is the Mighty, or in Old Norse that would be Ricky, uh, which was much more intimidating back then. Uh, this guy has a nickname too, Mayo. He does, and it's an unfortunate nickname. As nicknames go, it usually sometimes it involves a, an act that you've done that's impressive, and then people feel that you earn a nickname like the Mighty or the Conqueror or, or the Bloodthirsty, as as I mentioned before, or you know the Impaler, perhaps. Uh, this guy's nickname just kind of came from the cut of his jib, which uh, was a little buck-toothed. Uh, his jib cut, um, so he was known as uh, the Bucktoothed. Yeah, Mile um, <laughs> the, the Bucktooth. Quell in fear, for here arrives on the horizon the Bucktooth. Indeed, he had a bit of a Stephen King uh, thing going oh, on. Oh boy, there. yeah. And uh, the, the the idea here was that forty men from Sigurd's side and forty men from uh, the Bucktooth's side um, were gonna fight it out hmm. to the death and and see who remained. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm glad you point that out. It's forty people from each side. So this is really an 80-person deadly Maury Battle situation. Yeah. More than like a war. You know what I mean? It's really more like a a, a contest. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because 40 on 40, it really is kind of just like a, like a really uh, intense brawl. It gets even weirder because old Sigurd is practicing what we would call real politic, right? And he's saying, hey, this isn't boxing rules. This is to the death. And I assume old Bucktooth's going to fight dirty. So instead of the agreed upon 40 men on horseback, he double saddles them, right? So there are two guys on every horse. And this brings his side up to 80 people. And then uh, that brings the entire battle royale here to 120 dudes. So things are already out of hand. Oh, Uh, yeah. But clearly favoring Sigurd's side. Right. Because he is being, as the trailer park boys would say, greasy. (laughs) Greasy. And uh, old, old Bucktooth. And again, there's a reason we're leaning on this. Old Bucktooth is uh, a competent commander, but he is simply outmatched. And as you point out, Noel, it does not go well for him. He dies and his forces are overwhelmed. Sigurd decapitates him. So removes like his head. Yeah, removes yeah, his head. Yeah. And, and he is, Sigurd is 
riding high off the um, off the bloody victory, right? And he he says, "Okay, I'm going to let everybody know. I am proud of the horror I have <laughs> and the havoc I have sown today. I have wrought. Yes, yes indeed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And look upon I, me, work, my works, ye mighty." Indeed. And, and you, you say he was riding high off of his victory. I would imagine this was the day of people kind of drinking mead and stuff instead of water. Mm-hmm. So he was probably riding high on some other stuff, too, um, and was a little bit maybe numbed to the fact that this decapitated head that he then tied onto his horse was kind of banging against his bare leg mm-hmm. um, during his his travels, you know, his, his sort of victory lap, right? And lest we not forget the the nickname and the associated uh, the associated feature of this severed head, giant buck teeth mm-hmm. that were right there against the dude's bare leg because I guess he was wearing some kind of some kind of kilt, you know, or at the very least like a you know I mean this like is a, a loincloth perhaps. Yeah, I don't know exactly, but he definitely had his legs exposed, um, and so. For whatever reason, be it the cold, be it the power, mad, bloodlust, drunkenness, or the actual drunkenness, he he was not paying very close attention to the fact that this thing was grinding on him, mm-hmm. not in a not in a, uh, a fetching way, right? But in like a, a a way that was you know causing him a, a slow injury. Yeah, and there might be a, a bit of myth making here because this this happened so long ago. It's quite possible that uh, old Sigurd got another wound that resulted in an infection. But the way the story goes, Bucktooth had his revenge because the scratching of his protruding teeth against his murderer's leg caused a deep infection. The infection worsened quickly. Sigurd gets a fever. For several days, he's on death's door, and then he dies. How metal is that? Someone cuts off your head, and you end them from the grave. Also, a ridiculous way to die. <laughs> this is this is just one example. We have another one that is, I think, less a wartime death and more kind of a, a hazard of living the high life. This is the story of a Swedish king named Adolf Frederick. No relation to our pal Matt. Or maybe, I don't know. I haven't asked him. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? 
Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one, and that was a that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I meant I said El Camino, and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it so. Uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Yes, indeed. Old Adolf Frederick, who ruled from 1751 to 1771 during a, a you know, a kind of a, some glory days there in Sweden, known as the Age of Liberty, uh, a time when um, Swedish people got a lot of important rights, civil rights. There was a lot of uh, of peacetime, uh, and it was it was essentially like a very very you know solid, uh, lovely time to be alive in that part of the world. In 1766, the Swedish Parliament also passed legislation supporting things like freedom of the press and freedom of information. I don't know, maybe I'm um, just not educated in this you know in the politics of this part of the world, but that's surprising to me for for that stuff to be established you know that early. 
in Europe under kind of a uh, a monarchy, you know, which you think of typically as uh, being a bit, you know, overbearing and controlling when it comes to these kinds of things. <laughs> yeah, the age of liberty. This is a very interesting time in Sweden uh, because this is also uh, in part of fin- a big part of Finnish history. There's a move toward parliamentary governance, right, uh, as opposed to an absolute monarchy. It's still not. It's still very much not what you would think of when you think of democracy today. But this is a time of great progress, as you said, Noel. And the weird thing is that all it takes in history is one little mishap, and that's the headline. You know what I mean? That's the title of the paper. That's the footnote. Here's the headline for Swedish King Adolf Frederick. Do you think about all the cool stuff? He may have done for his people, for his constituency. No, you remember how he died because he ate himself to death on February 12th, 1771, just a few years before the foundation of the United States. Adolf is celebrating a holiday. It's called Shrove Tuesday. Shrove Tuesday is kind of like the pregame for Lent. And during Lent, you know, people forgo certain things, right? You still see it around today. What are you giving up for Lent, right? And the smart aleck answer is, I'm giving up Lent for Lent, right? <laughs> is, is is Shrove a, a, a derivation or a, a related to the word shriven? We always say when, we, when we're asking if we've done our, our, our homework, if we've been good boys, and we ask if we're shriven. Uh, you know what? That makes sense to me. It's a traditional feast day right before Lent, so... Okay, here we go. In EnglishHeritage.org.uk, the word shrove comes from the old Roman Catholic practice of being shriven, meaning to confess one's sins, to unburden oneself. So I think we're using the term correctly. And Shrove Tuesday is the day where you kind of have a grand hurrah. It's the pregame, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, th- th- there are uh, there are certain delicacies associated with it, like pancakes and, and lots of uh, sweetie treaties, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And you so the idea is you're going to get on the straight and narrow during Lent. Right. Do your duty, as as you said, at the top for God and your country. And so why not loosen up a little before you have to be a good kid? Right. You know what I mean? Party on Saturday, go to church on Sunday. Uh, Binge and purge. Binge and purge, just so, which is not a healthy idea, folks. Uh, No. But, and and you'll see why in just a second. So our pal Adolf, he says, I'm going to ball out. You know what I mean? I'm the king. We've been making a lot of progress. I'm going to give myself an attaboy. Uh, So I'm going to, he's going to, you know, the royal chefs and the cookeries and so on. And he says, you know what? Give me the lobster. Oh, and the caviar. Oh, and the kippers. Put some sauerkraut with that. Um, boil that meat. You know what I mean? Uh, I'll take some turnips. You know, it's it's like that thing where you show up. Really? To- turnips? Well, <laughs> that's what you're going to add. Yeah. <laughs> of all of them, turnips. The notable delicacy, turnips. Yeah. And boil it all. Yeah, that's the best way to cook a meat. <laughs> yeah, let's make it into a slop. <laughs> Just put it in a bucket. Right. You know, like a nice trough. Yeah, so he was a competitive eater, but he was only competing against himself. History, historians rather, uh, imagine that our pal, King Frederick, was probably used to this, was used to an excess of eating. 
Uh, and by the way, the whole time he's eating, he's guzzling champagne. And then he decided to have some dessert because when are we going to be here again? Guys, can I make a, just a note here? This might be wrong, but I'm going to say it anyways. I'm just envisioning he's naked while doing all this too. Oh, I hope so. Oh, why not, man? Yeah. Use your imagination. Let it go crazy. I'll tell you what I'm envisioning is another Monty Python reference uh, from The Meaning of Life. There's a character named Mr. Creosote, who is this absurdly cartoonishly large man who's eating at a fine French restaurant and just, you know, gorging himself. It's real gross out humor. He vomits a lot. Uh, and then he asks the uh, he asks the uh, maitre d' to bring him a bucket uh, mm-hmm. in which he gorges himself and then vomits into the bucket. And then at the end, he's like, you know, he's, he's covered in, in puke. Everyone's completely disgusted, but he's obviously very, very wealthy. And so no one's really saying anything. And the maitre d' He says, could I interest you in a, a wafer thin uh, mm-hmm. delicacy uh, uh, for your, you know, for, for your after dinner to treat? And he goes, I could eat another thing. And then he goes, but sir, it's a wafer thin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he takes it with like some tongs and he puts it in his mouth. And then he runs and ducks and covers behind some tables like a, like an army, you know, trench. And then the guy explodes. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, you know, the feather on the camel's back. Uh, Indeed. Fre- Frederick's got one of these, too, because he cannot finish this meal. He cannot properly celebrate Shrove Tuesday feast if he does not end it with a traditional Shrove Tuesday dessert. The uh, humble semla, it's a bun. It's made from flour. It's been around since 1541. People have been eating this. Every Shrove Tuesday, anyone who's anyone in Sweden, any member of the aristocracy or the literate class, they got to have their semlas. And uh, this guy's got a sweet tooth, right? Even if he isn't a completely sweet man himself, the way to his heart is through a semla. And he eats a ton of them. He eats 14 in one go. So if you are familiar with the with the Swedish practice of consuming this traditional dessert, you'll you'll find it reasonable that a majority of uh, Swedish people who practice eat between four and five semlas between New Year and Lent. So this guy goes for 14 in one go, and they are each served to him, not playing, but get this, in a bowl of hot milk with cinnamon and raisins. Ooh, yeah, my hot milk. I mean, by, by like, I could see try one for the experience, you know, when in Rome. But you would think by like number six, yeah. you would say, hey, hold, hold off on the hot milk. This is like the most decadent cereal situation that I've ever heard of. Like, you know, you've got your like honeycomb cereal. You're like, you know, cereals sort of are tiny representations of typically larger confections like cookie crisp, you know, or like, you know, little little cinnamon buns. But they're tiny. This guy's eating full sized ones in like a trough of milk with weird raisins. Leave the raisins out. For the raisins are grapes that didn't make it. I've, oh, I've yeah, said I mean, I've said it before. I will die on that hill with you, Ben. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really will. But a lot of people really like raisins. So, you know, to each their own. More raisins but, for you, folks. More raisins indeed for you. Those extra scoops, you, you can have them. So, yeah, uh, he, he, he did finally dis- decide to stop eating. He did finally do that. But it was, it was kind of too late. The damage had been done. That's that very same day he died of digestive problems. 
Mm-hmm. Trapped wind, perhaps? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he didn't explode like Mr. Creosote, uh, which would have been, you know, a, a cartoonish ending. To, to a seemingly great man now. Let's let's not let's not let's not completely, you know, throw this guy into the bus for his vices. You know, he sure. did. I don't I, I don't know his politics exactly. It could have been like a situation where things were just going well and he got to take credit for it. Uh, maybe it was more to the credit of, you know, other lawmakers and politicians. But, you know, the, the king gets the credit. So, I mean, it was this golden time. Uh, but it's seemingly this guy had some real problems with self-control that ultimately led to his untimely Darwin-esque demise. Yeah, he had a lot of stress. And unfortunately, because he dies uh, before, you know, he his preparation for Lent prevented him from celebrating Lent that year. Uh, but his death also has some far-reaching social consequences. Because despite the fact that there's a parliament, there's still a monarchy, which means that regardless of how unqualified your heir might be, they still get the catbird seat. So when Frederick dies, when Adolf Frederick dies, his son, Gustav III, gets the throne. And Gustav, not as much of a nice guy. Uh, he ends the age of liberty. He instates a dictatorship. He oh, says man. he says that freedom of the press is for the birds. Pass me another Simla. Kill the journalist. And uh, let's start a war with Russia. And he lost. So you could also argue that um, that Adolf Frederick's vices were not only his undoing, but the undoing of the country. Mm-hmm, just so. It's a bummer, man, because, you know, again, this was a really glorious and kind of equitable time, a time before that was nearly as much of a thing uh, as the, the rights and liberties that we take for granted here in the United States, however waning they might be. Um, but literally, it, it was a bowl of milk and raisins and sweetie buns that completely unraveled a democracy. And uh, speaking of endings, shout out to the Watchmen line from Dr. Manhattan, nothing ever ends. Uh, We are going to call it a day on these these royal deaths. Now, we we have at least six. We only got to two because we're having such a time exploring these, and we hope that you tune in uh, later this week when we have more tales. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about a king, a dog, a monkey. We're going to go out with a bang. We're going to... Sounds like a setup for a joke. (laughs) A king, a dog, and a monkey walk into a palace. And and we're going to get to um, one of uh, one of my favorites also in ancient China. We're going to skip around in time, uh, and we hope you join us, folks. Man, this is—I <laughs> got to say—I you know a lot of a lot of shows are are kicking their legs up for the holidays, but uh, this this show is always so much fun, uh, and I'm I'm oh, so yeah. glad to do it here. You know? Yeah, it is a natural two-parter, and it also, you know, it helps us out because I think we'll probably publish a couple of classics for mm-hmm. the thick of the holidays. We wanted to give you some meaty uh, historical ridiculousness to sink your teeth into to have, you know, during your time off. Um, and we really appreciate y'all, uh, every single one of you ridiculous historians out there, and um, we hope you enjoy part two. Two coming at you very soon. Except for Kevin. You know what you did. You do know what you did. You're, you're, you're not a good person, Kevin. You, just, you, you really insist on yourself. He, You know, he pushes people. So anyway, yes, thank you, of course, to our super producer, Mr. Max Williams, to our research associate, Mr. Max Williams. Thanks to our 
good friends and fearsome foes the world around. Looking at you, Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister. When's he going to be back? I keep thinking we're going to see him darkening our doorstep, but then uh, he, he he gives us another reprieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Plus, we always tell him that we're going to record on Fridays at 4. <laughs> and between the between the three of us, you know, uh, by the time we get to Fridays at 4, uh, it's, it, it, can be, it can be tough. You know what? We should just text. You know what? We should just go to his house and record live. He'll be fine with that, right? I think so. I got a key, so we can get in easy. That's a Yuletide surprise. Thank you so much. We're going to go out with our classic outro line. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.